Before we get into Cheap Heat this week, do want to remind all of you guys about the Fantasy Focus podcast. Another weekend of football is here. And uh, if you're getting down with fantasy football, you know the only podcast to tell you everything you need to know. My brother's favorite podcast, Fantasy Focus. Download it wherever you find ESPN podcasts. Now, some cheap heat. Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. The world's number one sports and recreation podcast. Um, Number one in your hearts. Number one on the charts? Depends. But number one in your your hearts, for sure. If you'd like it to be number one on the charts, well, give us a rating. Tell a friend. Add a review. Show love. Welcome to the show. It's a... We are doing this on a Saturday morning. Um... Stat guy Greg is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's right. Where he's been consuming copious amounts of Big Brother. That's right. Old seasons. You're going back and watching old seasons of Big Brother. I'm going back and watching old seasons, too. Yeah, we watched uh, season two, season six, season seven, uh, season 14, season 16. Mm. Um, We bouncing back and forth. Um, season eight, we just finished season eight. Uh, this is incredible. Now, question: When you met Crystal, was she already into these shows? She was already into Big Brother. Um, she can't take the blame for the Housewives. That that one's fully my fault. But she was already into Big Brother, so she put me onto Big Brother, and it comes around once every summer. I guess I should say every summer. And yeah, every summer we just tap in, we lock in. Love Island was me. Um, she she's drawing the line at Love Island UK, but Love Island USA we enjoy together. She I'm, I'm, she drew a line at Love Island UK. <laughs> she drew the line, yeah. She said, "Nah, I'm good on this." Yeah. Um, still a still a point of contention in this household. Because you still you you are you watching it? You're watching Love Island UK. Yeah, yeah, I'm tapped in. I'm tapped in, of course. This, you know that this isn't normal, what you're taught. This is – I don't know any – now, I know people like Goldstein has always had an interest The Bachelor. In the Bachelor, right? Is that yeah. it? Just The Bachelor? Maybe. It, it could be more. It could be – see, this is the problem. that There's not safe spaces for people to, to, to delve into this. So it's not even that I'm the only one. I feel like I'm just the only one that's trying to make space to just be out there in the open about like this is what I'm watching – it feels like this is a whole other podcast you need to be talking about with all these you listen listen i mean it's funny you say that because i I was telling crystal the other day i might just have to do the sgg show 
the Stat Guys Gossip Show. Tap in on all my reality TV and I mean, just listen, just go. Listen, Crystal could be your co-host, and you're off yeah, and running. Listen, yeah, we got we already got you know the content is there. Um, but there's certainly a lot of content. So, but yeah, I wanted to say like you're not. It's like there are people who tap into these shows, and then there's you. I mean, we're talking different level of tapping. <laughs> Even Crystal has to stop you sometimes. All she did, she just watched Big Brother. She was like, yeah, I watched Big Brother. Ha <laughs> ha, guilty pleasure. Now you have her on a, on a 22-show regiment. Yeah, with no guilt either. Not, no guilty pleasure. This is just pleasure. No guilt. Wow. So it's every day. Does a day of the week pass where you guys don't watch one of them? We don't have a Tuesday. And then what's it, what's messing us up too is is you know, obviously COVID slowing down production on oh, on no. like our sitcoms and our dramas. Oh, so right. you know reality. Oh, yeah. oh oh sure. Oh sure. That's a good excuse. The, so now you can it's now true. you can be like, Oh, we have to lean into six or seven more reality shows. We're waiting for this is us. <laughs> you know, blackish is back. Um we don't know what's happening with mixed ish, grown ish. Uh, you know. We finished Woke on Hulu. Insecure is gone. I may destroy you is gone. You know how, how was I may destroy you? I enjoyed it a lot. I really did. Yo, your level. I don't even. I, I feel like I'm not even a TV consumer next to you anymore. I feel like I'm out of the game altogether. <laughs> but you know what? Too though, you watch more sports. See, I sacrifice sports. Well, it's not sa- Greg. Felt- just like it's not a guilty pleasure, it's not a sacrifice because you just want to watch this stuff more. That's not a sacrifice. <laughs> You're not going, no. oh, oh, I really want to watch the Giants game this week, but you know what? I'm going to put that aside, even though I really, man, I'm curious. Are they going to beat the Eagles or no? You know what? I'm going to put it aside. No, this is your pleasure. You know, <laughs> no, I could have I been watching the Giants. You know, I could have been tapped into the Yankees more. Um, the Knicks are the Knicks, so, you know, it is what it is over there. That's true. But, well, I, I yeah, mean, sacrifice yeah, sports. sports. I it's 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 not sacrificing. It's just a choice. I mean, I I maybe should, maybe I'd enjoy these shows. Anyways, guys, we have a lot of a lot to get to, and not a lot of time. I'm just always fascinated when I read SGG's tweets about these subjects. It's like he's tweeting in another language. I don't know what <laughs> he's talking about. And granted, I'm sure you know there are people who follow me, and when they see me tweet about wrestling, think that I'm tweeting in another language. But you know um, what the thing is too, it comes out of nowhere because like. I could be at any given moment. You could scroll through and see like four different tweets about four different subjects, whether it's politics, reality TV, wrestling, and then just like something completely random that I saw and just couldn't just scroll by. Listen, this is what makes SGG SGG. Um, but SGG, Hell in a Cell is this week. There's a lot of conversations in wrestling going on this yes. week about different things. So why don't you take us through? Uh, what happened outside the ring? And by the way, don't know, we're probably going to do about 40 minutes today. I hope everyone enjoyed the little Ariel Helwani bonus episode to discuss the big UFC fight, which is going down today. I thought it was a good opportunity to do some some crossover. I mean, listen, hopefully you know, Ariel would have one of us on one of his very popular shows one day to give the rub back. Um, you know, I seem to give the rub to people, SUG, and they don't want to give the rub back. Yeah, I don't you know, know what that's about. I don't know what that's about. So we're going to yeah. see with this Ariel Helwani, you know, what, what he's good for um, and find <laughs> out. I mean, you know, listen, a shout out to his producer, Rick, who I know is a big fan of the podcast. Yeah, um, New York Rick. But, SG, but Ariel does, if he doesn't listen to the podcast, he does a good job making it seems like seem like he listens to the podcast, no? 
professional. That's that's just you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't expect anything less. But like he specifically tr- he specifically talked about dip in my conversation about challah bread. I mean, it was pretty impressive. He, you know, he probably did. He probably tapped in for a couple of episodes and was like, if he doesn't listen regularly, being the pro that he is, he tapped in, listened to a couple of episodes and said, you know, I got it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Or, or he's like, he asked, he asked producer Rick, he asked New York Rick, like, hey, tell me about, uh, tell me some little things that they do that's interesting. Although I don't know, maybe he's just that good. Maybe, <laughs> right. maybe he consumes podcast the way you consume reality tv sgg which is it's entirely possible like ever like he's just got everything um anyway so take us through i'm gonna go step outside for a moment let's see what the morning is like at the thunderdome hotel i'm gonna Ooh. step outside here and see what it what the air feels like in o-town not too bad ah. not too bad Feels like a warm day, but not blazing. Last time I was here, it was blazing. Today, it feels like it's more just a like nice, a nice day. Yeah, yeah, this is, oh yeah, this is nice. So you'll probably hear some planes land, but uh, SGD, take us through what's going on in pro wrestling right now. So outside of the ring, there wasn't, there wasn't much. Shockingly, this was a pretty slow, slow week outside of the ring. Most of the action that went on in the week of wrestling happened uh in the squared circle across raw smackdown aew and and uh, nxt of course so if you want we can jump right into the week that was let's do it all right so i don't believe we got to um last week's smackdown but between last week and this week's smackdown there was a there was a lot going on um i particularly enjoyed the law and otis segment from this week that continued uh i have not gotten to the part yet i have not concluded i have not seen the conclusion to law and otis but i really popped when i saw ron simmons as the bailiff and and jbl as the judge i thought that was we talk about this a lot sg i thought that was great use of legends yeah and teddy long was there too teddy long was the uh stenographer Oh wow! I didn't even know that. I didn't even. Yeah. I was wa- I was watching in the shower. Don't ask. Anyways, <laughs> um, did we get a conclusion on Law and Otis? We did. So in the in the thrilling conclusion to Law and Otis, Law and Otis, and this is this is by the way after testimony from Otis, uh, John Morrison, Oscar, and Rey Mysterio, who were in the Money in the Bank match. Um, JBL is about to render his verdict. And then the Miz introduces new evidence, late, uh, a late submission of new evidence. It's heavily implied that it was a bribe, but I have to say allegedly. So I'm going to say he allegedly bribed JBL, whose verdict then became that this Sunday, Otis and the Miz will have to face each other in a match to determine the fate of the briefcase. And I thought all of it was, was well done. Just hilarious, the whole Law and Otis thing. Now, listen, we could get into a conversation about why we're here with the briefcase. And does it, if if The Miz ends up taking the briefcase, does it mean that the entire thing was just like, you know, that the actual money in the bank result was a botch? 
Um, I think that's a conversation that if that's mm-hmm. what happens, we you kind of have to have, right? If they end up having to, you know, listen, even though it's I enjoyed last night, I thought it was an entertaining way to do it. If you, in fact, have to do that, SGG, it becomes a tough argument that money in the bank went the right way, right? Um, yes and yes and no. I mean, that's when you just got to contort, <laughs> let's be honest, right? I mean, when when Otis won money in the bank, everybody was into it. It was different. Um, people loved it. People looked forward to it. So I don't know necessarily that it would mean that money in the bank didn't go the right way, but just that. Oh, well, SUG, you're contorting because people hated yeah, yeah. it too. People but hated just it. just that what – did people hate it? Did, I oh, feel like yes. I saw a lot more people um, – a lot more people liked it than hated it, but I think it just means that the in between what gets us from Otis winning Money in the Bank to, you know, the Miz getting his hands on the briefcase, should he do that this Sunday, that that part uh, might have been mismanaged. And and listen, I know a lot of people think that the purpose of the Money in the Bank briefcase <clears throat> is to get someone a championship, and in kayfabe it is, but I mean. In the practical sense, it's like a like a test, right? It's a way for them to to sort of test the response to somebody without actually giving them a championship. Um, it's a way to sort of boost them up the cards. And, I mean, it did raise Otis's profile so much so that they broke up heavy machinery, um, Tucker's on Monday. And when it happened, everybody was worried for Tucker – there was no concern for for Otis and what would happen to him because he's I don't want to say he's made but he's definitely on his way well here's the thing though you can't really test right now we're not in a place where you can really find out if right. uh, if if people are reacting well and we all said and SGG has some selective memory because that's what contortionists do I remember in our group, at least, in the Jew World Order, there was certainly a mixed reaction to Otis winning the briefcase. And could he be taken seriously as someone who might threaten to cash in? And the answer to that is he has not been taken seriously as a threat to cash in. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. And, I mean, honestly, even less so with with him being in possession of the briefcase while Roman Reigns is the champion. I mean, you just have to think that anybody that even tries to cash in whether it's Otis or The Miz, is going to have a problem um, taking the Universal Championship from the Tribal Chief. He had better chances against Braun than than he does against the Tribal Chief. That's why I hope that if I hope that if The Miz, I, I sort of wish that the story was The Miz thought that someone else was deserving of the briefcase and was representing them. Someone mm. who was maybe an actual threat to Roman Reigns' title. Because I got to tell you, at this point, it's a great point by you, SGG. Is the Miz having the briefcase with Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, holding the title? Is the Miz any more serious a threat with the briefcase? Former champion or not, he's not. Nope. So I guess we'll see. So that's a match now for the briefcase that's been added to Hell in a Cell. Yeah. And and we mentioned Roman Reigns, too. I also enjoyed a SmackDown that we finally got the reveal of of the consequences that he has for Jey Uso, which is what 
a lot of people have been speculating, but to hear it stated on SmackDown, it's still, you know, added a lot to where the feud, the feud that already is the hottest thing smoking in wrestling right now. Let's be honest. It already ele- it elevated that feud even more when Roman said, when you quit, not if you quit, when you quit, if you're still not able to acknowledge me as the tribal chief, you're out of the family. Not just you, your wife, your kids. And since your brother wants to get involved because uh, Jimmy made an appearance last night on SmackDown, he invaded the tribal chief's I don't even know if that was an office. I guess he called it the VIP suite. And he exchanged some words with Roman before allowing Jay to attack Roman from behind. So he said, since your brother wants to get involved and make this a a Jimmy and Jay Uso, him and his family are out too. Wife, kids, everybody out of the family. We will all turn our backs on you. You're done. When you quit, if you're still not able to acknowledge me as uh, the tribal chief, the head of the table. So it'll be interesting to see what happens because obviously no one expects that Roman Reigns is going to quit on Sunday. Um, No. So assuming that Jay says I quit, it will be interesting to see how that story goes. Uh, And it, it feels like we'd be getting a step closer to maybe the Usos sort of joining... Roman Reigns potentially. Yeah, which which I would like. That would be that would be very entertaining. And then where they go from that, because do you continue in a storyline related to the family? Or do we then just ease into Roman's the man, he has them as his uh his his squad and someone else comes along. It'll be very interesting. I'm very curious about this. I'll say this. it's We've now been into this Roman Reigns for a couple of months, and I am just as interested. I mean, it's just, it's just interesting. We all wanted a change from Roman for so long, and since it has happened, he has become, his segment has been the segment of wrestling I most look forward to every single week. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm glad you said that too of of wrestling. Like this is a this is across all companies. I just wait for that music to hit. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think there's anything anywhere else uh that, that is more exciting than that right now. Uh what else what else were the big takeaways from uh SmackDown and Raw this week to get us into Hell in a Cell? Sasha Banks forced Bailey to sign sign that contract. Um last week on SmackDown, Bailey, you know, they announced the contract signing. Bailey wouldn't do it, as is her right, which is something you don't see uh, any superstar exercise. It's like, you know, I don't have to sign the contract if you're giving me the choice. <laughs> if you won't just make the match. <laughs> I'm not signing the contract. She didn't. And then Sasha comes out on Friday and essentially holds the SmackDown Women's Championship hostage, holds Bailey hostage as well, and would only release both of them when Bailey signed the contract, which she did making the match official for this Sunday. And then on raw, the big takeaways is that the fiend seems to be added into this bit of business with the hurt business and retribution. Um, he retribution tried to attack him through a little bit of, you know, 
black magic or dark magic or whatever you want to call it, the fiend escapes with Alexa Bliss. Uh, a four uh, eight man tag match between Retribution and the Hurt Business takes place, and it ends when the fiend comes out, gets his revenge by just destroying the Hurt uh, Retribution, not the Hurt Business, excuse me, Retribution. Um, it left a lot of people feeling like Retribution had been buried, or, or you know that they lost some steam. I think somehow they managed to recover with a promo later on in the night where Ali explained his actions and explained what Retribution is going to do going forward. But it's just an interesting wrinkle that a character like The Fiend um, just basically inserted into to this war between the Hurt Business and Retribution. Yeah, I have, I have mixed feelings on this, SGG. So here's the question. So what happens now with The Fiend? Like, I'm a little, I'm a little miffed at now where we go with the fiend on on raw like yeah i mean i i don't know i don't know i, I think it says something that he was dropped into this hurt business retribution storyline right away um i think it says that that is like the main thing they have going even though even though he you know, Randy Orton's there. The WWE Championship is not involved. I think it says that that, that storyline is very important. And, you know, interestingly enough, in the first Fireflies Funhouse segment on Raw, when The Fiend is unpacking his bag, you know, the his box, I should say, the, the items he pulled out all referenced past opponents, and he pulled out one that referenced Randy Orton. So I think, I mean, could could the fiend be building a faction too? I don't know. We'll see. And as we'll of see. now, and as of now, this is yet another pay per view. Um, where as of right now, there is no role for the fiend or Alexa Bliss. Yeah. Which I would be okay with if it meant that they made them. Um, sort of special and like made the experience of seeing them a bit more rare but we see them every week <laughs> so so yeah they're on TV every week they're on TV every week they're just not currently in a meaningful story um, right. well, I, re- I did enjoy last week's uh, last Monday's Firefly Funhouse um, especially because there was a reference to Old Dirty Bastard yeah, which I particularly enjoyed. Um, but yeah, you have three Hell in a Cell matches on the pay per view Sunday, none of which involve the Fiend, who you think would play perfectly into Hell in a Cell. Um, right. Also, have there has there been three Hell in a Cell matches before on Hell in a Cell? I believe there has. I can't remember what year. I want to say twenty eighteen, but I think they were. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm going to look right now. Dates and venues. Let's see here. Um, In 2018, Roman vs. Braun. This is... 
Nope. Not in 2018. No. Oh, this was. This is just listing the main and main event. Um, do you see how many matches there were in 18? Yeah, I just pulled up the card for 2018. It wasn't. It wasn't that card. Because the uh, there were two Hell in a Cells in 2018. It was Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, and then um, Roman versus Braun. And there was only one in 17. Oh, no, two. The there were two. Yeah, there was the tag team and then the KO and... And Shane. Shane. Um, which was a spectacular Hell in a Cell match, too. That ended up being <laughs> way better than it had any right to be. Uh, three. There were three in 16. Roman and Rusev. Um, KO... And Seth Rollins and Charlotte and Sasha. Sasha, that was. Which, by the way, I mean, this conversation and our lack of memory sort of speaks to what we've been talking about um, with the the idea that once you have the pay-per-view, it does just take away from how meaningful Hell in a Cell is. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, when you look at this list of Hell in a Cell matches on the pay-per-view, the main events of the pay-per-views, I I would argue that almost none of these resonate with the matches you think of as great Hell in a Cell matches. Shane and KO, very memorable. Um, Undertaker and Brock was at least a moment that was memorable. Mm Mm-hmm. I got to say, I don't have a lot of thoughts about Cena versus Del Rio versus CM Punk. Um, I I, I forgot it even happened. Punk versus Ryback. (laughs) When you consider where they are now, they they might need a hell in a cell now. (laughs) Yeah, well said. But yeah, at the time, I can't believe that happened. Um. Kane versus Undertaker happened in 2010. And in 09, I do remember DX versus Legacy. Yeah, I remember that one. All the way back in 09. But yeah, there have been... It's not like you can just... you know, cause It's funny though, because if you were to talk about Hell in a Cell, the first thing you're still picturing all these years later is 1998 King of the Ring. Yep. That's still the first thing you're thinking of as we sit here 11 years into this pay-per-view existing. So I hope that we get something incredibly meaningful this weekend. And I would say the most likely spot for that, of course, would be Roman and Jay. Um, Though, you know, listen, there's potential for Randy and Drew to be meaningful but I have to agree with Dipperstein here. To me, the only way—I'm not saying it couldn't. It, 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 there's no way it could be a good match either way. But the only way it's something that I think we're talking about and remembering is if Randy wins the title tomorrow night. Yeah. Yep. I. I. It's, yeah. it's been a. It's been a. 
solid run for Drew McIntyre. He's been in a tough spot becoming champion at WrestleMania this year. I don't think anyone would wish it on anyone as their first opportunity to carry the title. But at the same time, SGG, we need a switch up on Raw. We absolutely do. And I know, you know, Randy Orton's been there a long time, and a lot of these veterans, you know, after this many years, decide, you know, I want to start making new talent, putting people over, elevating people to the main event. And that would be very noble of Randy Orton to, to think like that. But now is not the time. Three three years on, then we can talk about it. Right now, continue the legend killer. Continue to to rack up those accolades and take one more championship home. I mean, Randy, do you have kids at home who haven't even seen you as the champion? They deserve to experience that. Bring bring one more home this Sunday, please. Uh, I think it's a fair. Fair, fair point. Think of the what, children, Randy. When was Randy's last title reign? Um, it it had to be way back, right? Um, when he beat Bray at Mania. That was the last one, right? Um, let's see. It's hard to tell. I, I, I might have to look up the actual lineage of the title, but it's been a minute. Yeah, I think that, that last one was the... Because he hasn't had the Universal Championship, so it really is just the W. And the World Championship's been gone for so long. Although he, I feel like he was the last World Champion, right? He unif- Oh, no. No, no, he didn't unify them. But um, But yeah, it's been a while. So really only talking about the WWE Championship, and I think it was when he um, beat Bray at WrestleMania. So it would it would not be it would not be a bad thing, and I, I think it would just I think let's be honest, Raw needs to be spiced up. I don't know yeah. one person out there who thinks that Raw is in the same class as SmackDown right now. I mean that no. has that has really become the common conversation is that Raw is not. SmackDown. No, and not even, I mean, not even in the same school. So it it'll boggle the mind when you hear that they're, you know, same showrunner. So it's because they're just so different. It's just, it's just, it's an indictment. It yeah. is an indictment. You hate, and and unfortunately, whether it's his fault or not. If a show has clearly become, you know, the second show, it should be on them to want to change that. And 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 this is probably where you make the change. And yes, Randy Orton won the title at WrestleMania 33 and then lost it six weeks later to Jinder Mahal. One of the great... WWE Championship runs of the modern era, Jinder Mahal. Lasted all the way from May 21st, 2017 to November 2017. Um, So he had it for almost half a year. Randy, so that was in, in 2017. Prior to that, 
Randy's last time with the title was 2013 with the WWE Championship. It was 2013 mm-hmm. when he held it for, for a while, October to April. Lost it to Daniel Bryan. So it would be it would be exciting, and and maybe there's a creative way to do it. You know, you guys know how I feel. I would love to see Randy run through some legends. Use this as a way to spice up Raw, where every week you're looking forward to who is Randy going to call out or what person's going to show up to try to take out Randy Orton. And end up getting sent right back to the history books where they belong by maybe, the legend killer. Maybe it creates a big moment, by the way, where you get Cena and Orton one last time. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad at it. You know, Cena could come out and and call him out one time. When was the last time that Cena and Orton exchanged? It looks like Randy lost the title. Randy lost the title to Cena in 09. That was the last time, dude. No, remember, uh, they fought in that unification match in 2013. And Randy Orton did unify the, uh, the world title and the WWE Championship. Wait, was it? Oh, was it after the title was vacated? No, that's when the world title was basically vacated because it was absorbed into, and that's when they did like the WWE World Championship and had like the two belts thing until Brock faced Cena at um, SummerSlam, and but then where, did that but promo where is, was like, "I'm not carrying two belts." But I don't see a place in 2013 where Cena beat where Randy beat Cena or vice versa. They it was TLC. Was it TLC? Yeah, yeah. Okay, there it is. There it is. Yep, you got it. You got it. Good job, SGG. Thank so you. Orton Orton beat Daniel Bryan in a Hell in a Cell match back in 2013 to win the vacant title. And then in December, he beat John Cena at TLC to unify. Yep. So... That's seven years ago. So it wouldn't be the worst thing. I mean, even just fantasy booking way out. At this point, I actually... There was a time when if you had told me Cena Orton again, I would have said snooze. (laughs) Right. But right now, I would find it kind of fascinating. So we'll see. But you know what? Let's see if Randy Orton even wins the title on Sunday. Because who knows? That's true. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. But if he does, the potential for for that Cena-Orton match is right there. It would be fun. I mean, listen, I'm still very curious. It's We, sh- we could do a whole episode. Maybe we should. We could do a whole episode on what the future of John Cena is. Because this can't just end. He, he can't just fade out. Yeah, like, I could see him as, like, doing that, though. And then he just sort of periodically comes back. Yeah. No no grand send-off. I could see it. Although, like, a guy like John Cena definitely deserves 
the victory lap and like the oh. grand send off and like the parade with the roses and the confetti. <laughs> but I could see him just like fading out. Um, SUG, what else do you feel we need to hit before this? Because we have some good mailbag here also. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but we definitely need to spend a few moments on AEW because I watched this week and I have thoughts. Let, let me let me guess. The mailbag thinks you're just here to bury Le Dinner Debonair or whatever it was called. Le Dinner Debonair. <sighs> so it wasn't as bad as everybody said it was. It wasn't. By the way, who? I'm so glad I don't pay attention to the internet. People really thought it was bad? Yeah, people thought it was bad. But here's why, though. Because AEW sort of painted themselves into a corner with it, right? Like, AEW comes out and says, we're going to be the anti-WWE. This is the place for sports, not sports entertainment. This is for pro wrestling. Then, you know, when this company does all that and sort of alienates a segment of fans who who would like something like this, they can't also turn around and then do something like this. This was not sports. This was not a pro wrestling. This was just straight up sports entertainment, which is fine, but you can't spend your whole existence deriding stuff like this. But do you do it now? Do we, do we, did they really do that? I mean, did they really say that they hate entertainment? They did say, we're here, we're for great matches. They definitely made clear early on that it's about wrestling first and foremost, which it is. They, they, mm-hmm. But did they ever say, or is it really just their fan base and people like you who hate them to put them in a corner where you say, now you can't do it? No, they they said, we are going to be the anti-WWE. This is not the place for sports entertainment. This is coming from them. Like they set expectations and then pivot to do other things, which they should be doing because, again, they have to cast a wide net. So you got to do stuff like this, but you can't you can't say you're not and then do it because then you open yourself up to to the unnecessary criticism. Um, but setting that aside, like I said, it wasn't as bad as everyone said it was, but it also definitely was not as as great as everyone said it was. I mean, Tommy Dreamer sent out a tweet and said, you know, this is the most creative thing he's seen in pro wrestling in the last 20 years. Yeah, I think Brian Mann said something similar too, of course. It was not even the most creative thing in pro wrestling this week. This week? Not even, it doesn't even take the cake for this week. We're talking about a week in which... Let's take all the in-ring stuff aside, right? Let's set all the in-ring stuff to the side. I'm sensing some real contortion right now. Go ahead. We're talking about we're talking about a week where we got Law and Otis, where we got an Elias concert on Raw that actually, you know, I'm ready for that album on Monday. And then we had Ladina Debonair, right? You don't think Ladina Debonair was more creative than an Elias concert? No, I think Elias's Elias's musical stylings was better than Jericho and uh, MJF. You think it's and more think creative to write songs and oh, so let's look at it, right. Ladina Debonair they gave us one song and dance 
Elias gave us two songs, backup dances, full musical backing. But when was the last band. time? But when was the last time that you saw not just a music number, but a full-on Broadway-style performance? A full-on Broadway-style performance in wrestling? I don't think I've seen it. So it's kind of hard to argue, Mister Contortionist, that it wasn't the most creative thing of the week. No, it's not. It was. It wasn't. It was not. They, because this is a contortion. You, you are have, mid-contortion. You are folding. I am not mid-contortion. So you're giving you're giving them some. You're giving them the title just because they did it. You're not grading how well it was. No, I uh, no because we're not talking about what was executed best. We're talking about creativity. That is the most. If you're telling me it's never been done before. It's tough to argue that's not the most creative thing of the week. So See, hold on. Never been done before. So you're setting aside it being done well. It's never but it was done. done but it was done well. It was done all right. Because that's the other this, thing, too. People are it like, was done well. I thought it was done like, well. People are like, this was, this was like earth shattering. It was, it was but nice. But this is the it problem. Was, and you and I have argued about this before. This is the problem, in my opinion, with not just you, but many people who live on wrestling Twitter, because you are inherently affected. Your opinion right now is being affected by the way other people judged it. I have no basis for how other people judged it. So all I thought was, that was a really creative idea. Pretty well done. Did I think it was the best thing? I didn't even think it was the best thing I've seen between MJF and Jericho. Agreed. I've enjoyed them just talking to each other more than I enjoyed that. However, Agreed. but it was creative. They broke out into a full song and dance, a la they were all of a sudden living in a musical, which is interesting. I, I, the, I, most cre- the most creative thing in 20 years, like the best, the but best again, non-wrestling who, segment but who of the cares, week. But who cares that people said that? That's my argument I would make. I don't love Tommy Dreamer. That's crazy. That's I, I, it's, There we go. It's, that's but, all. That's but, all you needed to say. But that's you. But that is not, in my opinion, to me. And it's good that you're connected to that world because I'm not. But to me, that's not even a conversation worth having. The conversation is there how was go. it, and it was good. I thought it, it was, was good. good. It, it wasn't like I said. And I said I didn't see you. You call me the contortionist, but you're contorting my words to to fit the narrative of what you see in the mailbag, because I said. It was not as bad as people said it was. That was the first thing out of my mouth. That, oh, exactly. Hold, which hold means, on, hold which on, means hold you're, on. that's reaction. Hold on, hold that's reactionary. On, hold on. Hold on. I said it was not as bad as people said it was. I said it also was not as great as people said it was. You and I have the same reaction, but because you read in the mailbag that I am an AEW hater, your opinion of my AEW opinions are colored by Incorrect. the people that you claim to be disconnected from because I hate to tell you this, but a segment of them are in the mailbag turning you against me. We have no. the same uh, we have the wow. same if we you have the same well, this contortion if you contort any further, we're gonna have to go to the hospital because we have, no, we I don't have, even I'm we not have even the saying same that. opinion of You're right. this except, except, except your opinion was inherently reactionary. You said it and wasn't your opinion, as good. My opinion is not and reactionary. Your opinion 
of my opinion was inherently reactionary because you came in expecting me to go one way. So now you're forcing my words into the narrative, even though but you're making we that are up. on the same page. But you're making that up, whereas you actually, I actually have the audio what did, proof. Hold on, hold on. What did you say before I even said anything? You said you're going to hate LaDinda Debonair. The mailbag is expecting you to hate LaDinda Debonair. And then I came out and said it wasn't as bad as people said it was. But it wasn't as good. And then you're like, you're a hater. Based on what you just said you read in the mailbag. I, I appreciate the argument. And I understand what you're saying. However, it's not simply the mailbag that has led to you having a a reputation of hating AEW. You did that. You created wow. your own reputation victim of hating blaming. AEW. The victim blaming out. I held AEW accountable. And and your and your entire response to this is based on what other people thought. I don't care what other people it's, thought. To me, it wasn't it wasn't earth shattering either way. Like it was a it was a cool segment. Um, I respect them doing something different. I thought the mm-hmm. audio mix was kind of crappy. I couldn't hear it that well. Who are you, Dipistine? I, I know that was fine. It was fine. I couldn't hear the words that well. I I, I wanted to hear the the audio better. Um, I thought it was, I, I you know my favorite thing about AEW is the slow burn of stories. That's yeah. my number one favorite thing. But guess what? The biggest mistake in the way uh, the AEW conversation, at least according to what you're saying and how much it appears that that dominated conversation this week, is that the most interesting thing that happened, and I did not watch the entire show, but I watched most of it, I believe the Kenny Omega pivot is the most interesting thing happening. I'm glad you... I'm glad you- brought that up because that was my next that was my next point i i hated that match that kenny omega match of course you did because someone who you've championed before did the job in five seconds i knew you'd hate yes i hated i hated that and here's why too like like you said love sunny kiss sunny listen Let's be real here. Sunny Kiss was substituted in for Joey Janela, right? Uh, it was announced that Joey Janela was exposed to someone with COVID and that they weren't going to have him around for, you know, quarantine period. They're going to test him and then whatever. He'll be back. But it was originally supposed to be Joey Janela versus Kenny Omega. You cannot tell me that Joey Janela was going to get five seconds with Kenny Omega. It just doesn't well, there's, there's no why do you think that though because joey janela has been basically irrelevant so i would not have been surprised if that happened i mean i don't think joey janela was going to get five seconds with kenny omega and and sunny kiss deserved more than five seconds with kenny omega so at least get some offense in you know what i mean this is the same kenny omega who who even against enhancement talent i remember there was a match in i want to say april kenny omega versus somebody I'm forgetting the person's name. This dude is enhancement talent. I don't think he's been back on AEW. He kicks out of the V-trigger. Your signature move. You mean tell me Sonny Sonny Kiss is just going to get blasted, V-trigger, one-winged eagle, in, out, like that, like Sonny Omega. I, I he, thought he, it was. Sonny I thought Kiss it was, can't get a headlock in a punch. I thought it was stupid. Let me let me say this. So these they're two separate conversations, in my opinion. There's the match and and what happened with Sonny Kiss, and then there's the Kenny Omega character situation. Right. I was not into Sonny Kiss doing that. Like, and I'm not the Sonny Kiss fan that you are. I'm I'm still 
you know, I don't know. Sunny Kiss could be good. I don't really know yet. I think I think Sunny Kiss is interesting for sure. I don't have a strong right. feeling yet. It didn't make sense to me though, with a character that has some gravitas and that has been there since the beginning, and you've obviously been trying to do something with this person. I didn't see the point of that. It didn't do anything for Kenny Omega, in my opinion. It didn't make him all of a sudden look completely dominant. It would have, and then to me, they made it make less sense when he then was nice to Sonny Kiss after the match. It would have made more sense if he came in and just brutalized him, like just showed up and like before the bell rang, attacked him, right? Right. Beat his ass before the bell rang, bell rang, V-trigger, winged eagle, w- hits everything, then walks out. Now, I'm getting that, A, he has a he has a new attitude, and he's dangerous, and oh my God. Mm-hmm. But, like, he just sort of casually showed up, and Sonny Kiss got treated like garbage. So, that yeah. I agree Cause, with. Because, like, the Kenny Omega that we see before the match, and then, like, the guy in between the bells was completely different than the guy who, like you said, shook his hand, was nice to him after the match, respectful. Like, even when he pins him, like, his face was like, why am I here? Which, yeah, why are you here? In fact, why is Sonny there? Your your opponent, you know, couldn't make it to the match. The match had to be rescheduled. Just give him the bye if you were going to do that to Sonny Kiss. Just send him to the Ten Kenny Omega to the And also, round. I mean, let's be honest. This is to become what uh, the world heavyweight champion number one contender does anyone right. buy where with where we are right now that sunny kiss is going to be in the conversation for world champion number one contender that that's not even realistic no, but with I mean, where sunny kiss has been so why even start there the whole thing is set up badly honestly yeah, if you if you're going to put him in that position you got to give him a look better than just like eat eat a knee and then get dropped on your head and go back to now back that to being said though that being said i loved the new Kenny Omega intro, L- thought it was awesome <laughs> with the with the with the brooms and the Japanese the models, the, the brooms, the dancing, the listing his five star matches, the the accolades, the the city landscapes like shots of New York and all these different. It didn't even make sense. And then him just standing in front of like his silhouette, just standing there. That to me is the treatment that Kenny Omega has should have had since the second since the AEW beginning. started. So that part I liked um, a lot, a lot. Um, I, yeah, I didn't think I, I didn't think the Sunny Kiss thing made sense at all. And also, you're just shooting yourselves in the foot. Like, just you know that the one area you've been attacked on, if you're AEW, is lack of women in big positions, lack of people of color in important positions. Then you take this character who people gravitate towards for several reasons, but being someone who's different is definitely one of those reasons, and you just completely job them out. That's just, it's almost, it's just being, it's either being intentionally stupid or it's just completely stupid. Like you're just not thinking about the reaction you're going to get. And now you've dug a hole deeper where people are going to be even more skeptical. And for what purpose? If you were going to have that happen, if you it, let's say SGG is wrong, and Omega was going to go over Janela in the same way, because you could be wrong about that. Let's say I you're could. wrong about that. I highly doubt it, but I could. If you're wrong about that, and he was going to do this in this match, no matter what, don't make it Sunny Kiss. 
That's just stupid. <laughs> right. It's just stupid. Yeah. Bring in someone else. Honestly, I I I, I would have – there are several other people. Uh, do it to Colt Cabana. There are several other people you could have done it with. Yeah. Um, where where no one really thought they were going to win the title anyway. It. I just thought it was a bad call. But I am excited that Kenny Omega has the chance now, it feels like, to start building towards to what he should be, which is the guy in the company. Because that's yeah. If he doesn't have, if 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 Kenny Omega were to never make it to truly the top of this company, it to me would be a failure of AEW. That would be mm-hmm. a failure, because when the company started, he was the number one guy in the world not signed to WWE. So he needs to ha- be on top one way or the other, and he's that good. Yeah. So because he he hasn't lived up to that for many years, if you ask me. Uh, not many years is harsh. At least a couple of years he hasn't lived up to that. Well, the last how could he have the last year and change that he's been there? I mean, he hasn't even been in a position to be anything. I mean, he's just a guy. He could have been the guy there, but you know. But the, the, he has not. That has not been an opportunity for him since they started. He's. I don't know why. Maybe maybe it's him too. I don't know. But um, and then, you know, the last thing I want to touch on with AEW too is that. You know they have a serious problem, I think, with with um, concussion protocols and how they handle it. Because uh, did you make it to the main event? Um, what was the main event again? It was an eight man tag: um, no. Young Bucks, Butcher and the Blade, uh, nope. Dark Order, and Private Party. Um, one of the Dark Order guys, I think, was name Alex Reynolds, gets injured in the match. In the middle of the ring, he is knocked out cold. He's not moving. And everyone continues to to wrestle around him. He's laying there, basically comatose. And everyone continues to wrestle around him. It gets to one point where um, the one of the Butcher and the Blade guys pulls him to the corner, holds his arm up so he can tag him out, and then just leaves him laying in the corner. The ref never stops to check on him. His coworkers don't roll him out of the ring. I don't think this is a situation where the match needed to be stopped because there's seven other people, so you can just like roll him out of the ring and have the doctors check on him on the side. But that doesn't happen for like another minute and a half. And this is it, it doesn't happen until after he's allowed to get up and then take a bulldog, which is a move that, at least in kayfabe, is supposed to cause head trauma after he's already been unconscious for at least a minute. And this is after the Matt Hardy situation. Like, like this is this is not right. They got to get a handle on that. Uh, I didn't. I didn't even know that happened. Honestly, I didn't finish the show. I did not know that happened in the main event. Yeah, in the main event, like this, this guy he's knocked out. P. When I tell you he's out, he's like out cold, and everybody continues to wrestle around him. Which again is fine. Like I don't. Like I said, I don't think the match needs to continue need to stop because. You know, there's seven other people and they can improvise, but he at least needs to be removed from the ring. Uh, yeah. The ref I, didn't I, I even sh- the ref didn't even show any concern. Like he didn't throw up the X or anything. He's just like, I don't even know what the ref was thinking. And if there's a doctor at the ringside, I don't know what the doctor was thinking. Like you see that. Jump in. 
By the way, when did Brody Lee? How, was it at the very beginning that Brody Lee became Mister Brody Lee? Because it annoys yeah, the it was, hell out of me. <laughs> it was it was at the very beginning. I do not understand why he's Mister Brody Lee. I just find it to be so stupid. Well, listen, um, SGG. <clears throat> You did not do anything today to change the reputation of being anti-AEW. At the same time, sorry guys, they're they're giving him a lot. (laughs) Now, if I were you, if I were SGG, a.k.a. Stephen A. Greg, a.k.a. Greg Bayless, I I would have come out today and heaped praise on Le Dinner Debonair heaped praise and then crushed the other two things that's what if, if you want to be the real Stephen A. Hyde <laughs> that's what you do you come out and go oh you thought I, I loved La Dinner Debonair it was great I actually thought oh my god AEW they really knocked out of the park and then I kept watching the rest of the show <laughs> that's what you should have done alright let's go let's go to the mailbag for a second shall we we have some good ones this week I'm excited to read these. And we start off with Adam. SGG is the wrestling version of your crazy MAGA uncle. This is my favorite email of the week, I think. (laughs) Watching AEW this week and thought it was another excellent show. MJF Jericho bit was campy as hell and totally ridiculous, but fun and crazy, and at least creatively ambitious. I like Eddie Kingston, but was lukewarm. Um, on him being in the title picture, however, with a few simple yet incredibly effective promos and basic logical storytelling, I find him to be one of the most compelling wrestlers in any company. I agree with that, by the way. Eddie Kingston's yeah. killing it. Yep. He could be anywhere right now. Um, Phoenix Pentagon was great, and the new direction for Kenny Omega is great to see. Um, all in all, nothing bad on the show. After watching it, I thought to myself, I'm sure SGG hated it. Would it be possible to just not mention it to him this week? Can we just enjoy the nice things for a little while? It's like when you have Thanksgiving dinner and you all agree to not bring up politics so your crazy MAGA uncle doesn't ruin dinner. He's a nice guy. We love him. But we don't need to hear his insane ramblings on the radical left while enjoying this lovely time together. This is not coming from a WWE hater. SmackDown has been great lately and Roman Reigns slash Jericho and Uso are the best things uh, sl- I guess that was an autocorrect Roman Reigns slash Jay Uso is the best thing going and me and SGG might agree that Adam Cole is the best living wrestler right now Adam SGG if, maybe we should treat you like the crazy MAGA uncle just if Adam thinks that the company that this week this week gave Chris Jericho a platform to perform his music that this week treated Sonny Kiss, uh, uh, you know, a black man from the LGBT community, the way they treated him, and that this week ignored basic medical science and let Alex Reynolds sit there while a match continued around him. If he thinks that that company is the radical left, then I don't want to be in this bizarre world where Adam is. I think you're being, I think you're being too literal. But yes, I hear what you're saying. I don't want to. They, they are definitely not the the radical left. Nothing about that says radical left. 
Oh, so I'm watching right now. So, yeah, no one notices at first. But now they're pulling him to the side. It's hard to say you don't notice when you drag him out the ring. Well, yeah, how do they not notice right there? Even if they didn't notice when... Well, now he's, he's still getting left there. When he's His legs there. are crossed over each other like he's taking a nap. Multiple people have now bumped into him. Oh, this is terrible. Guys, I'm sorry. SGG, he's he's been handed a real, sadly, a really obvious place here to heap criticism on AEW. I mean, this is not. It's hard to is, recall the last time anything like this even happened. No, it's not because Matt Hardy just did it out there. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, elsewhere where a, a, in a match someone got knocked out and just laid around unconscious in the ring. Yeah. They should be hyper vigilant about stuff like this. But wait, and did he just get up? Oh, and he can't even take the bulldog, and they try it anyway. Oof. That wasn't good. Sorry, guys. SGG's right. That wasn't good. I may not agree. I may think he's reactionary on Le Dinner Debonair, but oof. Get that together, <laughs> y'all. That ain't it. And I hope he's all right. I hope Alex Reynolds is all right. Um, <clears throat> Matthew writes us. Mail. Dear the Majesty, I'm a listener who's been down since day one, literally listening since the first episode, and I always wondered what will be the thing to finally have me write in. And then it happened. You broke podcasting kayfabe. I always figured the commercials were pre-recorded, and I respected efforts you and other podcasts made to at least try to seamlessly transition them in. But this latest example is Repug. For at least two weeks, you've dropped the ad that begins. Now, before I tell you about Booker and JBL talking wrestling, and I remember the conversation you picked that up from because I was listening. This hurt. <laughs> Along the same lines as my dad pointing out that the punches weren't connecting, my young self didn't want to believe. I wanted to live hashtag kayfabe only, but you've broken that, sir. With love to the most mage podcast of all time, Matt. Matt, I got to tell you, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but that is in the editing of how those things should go. That should not be kept yeah. permanent. If that's going to be reused, I'm not bearing anyone because people do a great job. <laughs> working on the show. God bless you. But that, I can't take full blame for that. Now, uh, I have another good one here. Wow. Mail. Here, follow up. Breaking kayfabe from Robert. What's up, Peter and Greg? No nicknames because I'm almost ashamed of myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's story time. I was watching the Raw draft, and my kids were in the room. I watched Andrade lose, and I'm mad. Cut to creepy-ass Fiend music. Cut to my kids literally crying because the Fiend is terrifying. To calm them down, I had to ruin kayfabe for my kids, a 9-year-old girl and 6- and 5-year-old boys. I felt bad that they were scared, but also felt bad to ruin kayfabe. They aren't huge fans, but it's like the magic is gone. Did I do the right thing, or should I have kept them in the kayfabe bubble? Brandon Campbell from Berea, Kentucky. Um, Robert, I don't think you did the wrong thing. Yeah, and I think you did the right thing. I think you did the right thing, and I would have. I think I would have done the same. Um, and I was around nine. I was eight 
at WrestleMania three when I was most invested. And at that age, I already had an idea that it was not altogether legitimate sports. And I still went on to enjoy it. Like, it didn't really affect me very much. I mean, to me, I love, I, I even as a kid, I loved wrestling as a TV show. I never watched TV shows and thought they were real. It's just a TV show. It's just a great TV show. So, like, yeah, some moments make you feel. Some moments scare you. Some moments make you cry. But I don't think it ruins it at all. I think you have, and first of all, your kids are weeping. What are you going to do? Protect the business? It's not your job. <laughs> yeah. Mail. Really nice message we got here from uh, Keelan Jones. SGG, I don't know if you saw this yet. Um, but it's uh, he said, I don't. I know it might not make the pod, but hope you guys at least read it. And it's about thanking us and Dip for all the entertainment, for everything we've done to our bodies. <laughs> um, and uh, just thought, talked about the bright spots the podcast is, has brought him. Um, and he's t- he's currently. Uh, writing for an up-and-coming sports blog as a WWE writer. And his first piece that he's writing is about his wrestling love story. He got in the oh. game late. He said his very first time watching Raw was the Monday after Edge cashed in money in the bank um, and then had the live <laughs> sex celebration. I was going to say, the live sex celebration is a hell, hell of an introduction. Exactly. No wonder you stuck around. He wrote, hand to God, that was my introduction to wrestling, LOL. It was love at first sight. I say all that to say, can you guys recall the moment you fell in love with wrestling? Thanks again. All love and take it easy, Maine. Oh, and vote, Keelan and St. Louis. You vote, sir. Please do in, yeah. in Missouri. And to our last uh, emailer in, in Kentucky, please vote, sir. I assume based on the uh, intelligence in your email that you're voting a way that will be productive for our country. Um SGG, for me, it was the, uh, the the first moments I picture when I picture the earliest things in wrestling. I think that, that here it's, it's sort of a hybrid of things. But the things that I think about are the Steamboat coming back from the Bell injury. So Steamboat, George the Animal, Steel, mm-hmm. Savage. It's like a mix of that and the intro to Saturday night's main event. Th- that it's like that time is kind of what is in my brain as what I fell in love with. Um, you know, yeah. I really pinpoint it all to, and I, I should ask my brother because I I lay it all at my at 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 eighty seven at WrestleMania at WrestleMania three. But the truth is. I was desperate to see WrestleMania three, which means that you were I, already in. I was already in, I guess, from shortly after WrestleMania two. I remembered like seeing the highlights of Hogan and Bundy in the steel cage, because you know mm-hmm. back in the day they you would they would show highlights all the time of like moments like Not that. What that we happened. get now too, like we get we don't we get like the still right when the action's about to happen. Yeah, and 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 back then. They didn't put together good packages. So when they would show you a highlight package, it would be like just showing a minute of a match. 
like you would just see the match. So anyways, <laughs> that's a long way of answering for me. Savage Steamboat story, George the Animal Steel, Elizabeth Bell, and Hogan Andre are sort of all there for me. And I don't remember. I also know, loved the Bulldogs and Heart Foundation, loved Matilda, like all that stuff. Those are the 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 sort of foundational love is there. Mm-hmm. SUG? Yeah, same. Like I say WrestleMania 3 too, but I was I was way too young. So but the thing is my cousin had it on tape and we would go to his his house and watch mm. it all the time. So it's definitely WrestleMania 3 or like around the late 80s. But WrestleMania 3 is like the earliest thing I remember, but I don't even I don't know when I saw it. I just know that it like that was the earliest introduction I had to it, if that makes sense. See, I, I appreciate your honesty because one person who's a known – I don't want to say he's a liar, okay? But someone whose history is hard to grasp with if you try to get factual is Dipperstein. <laughs> because Dipperstein will tell you about how much he was watching – and when you do the math, he was literally a year or two old. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have any real memories of anything until what's your best case scenario? Four or five? I say like three, three going on four. And I, I'll tell you the truth, though, SGG. I think a lot of those memories for me end up being pictures, not real mm-hmm. memories. Like, my mom the other day was like, do you remember our trips to Israel? Which we went to Israel in 84, 85, and 86. She's like, do you remember our trips to Israel? And I'm like, I have a couple of specific memories, and then the rest are pictures. And that's what the memories are, pictures and videos, but not the actual. Whereas Dipperstein will act as if he was thinking about the storyline at WrestleMania three. When he was couldn't even say a word yet in this world, um, and then, and then I think he watched so much as a kid at like you know six, seven, eight. I think he was renting so many VHSs that it makes it feel like he was watching it all when he was a year old. But I, it's impossible. I'm not saying he wasn't physically near a TV, but you can't remember that. There's no way. Yeah, no, I was definitely like watching. Probably from birth, because my older brother was was tapped in. My cousin was wrestling fan, so like, I think my dad was a wrestling fan too. Um, he's probably stopped in like mid early eighties, but like, so I was definitely watching. But the first thing that I can say I remember is WrestleMania three. But again, I don't know what actually year that was because we had it on tape, and so every time we go to my cousin's house, it was like, yo. I want to see WrestleMania three. Who uh without who, who, in your, who in your family still tapped in? Right now? Yeah. It's me and me. That's it. Wow, that's sad. Greg, come on, dude. Do better. Come on. Dude, I have the cheap some. universe. I have I have a wrestling family. That is true, you do. And also, you have black power rankings. Uh, black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all. And I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all. And I'm black, y'all. And I'm black, y'all. And I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all. I'm blacker than black, blacker than black, black. I'm blacker than black, yo. Because I'm black. Oh and yeah. I'm black. What do you got there, pal? 
in an honorable mention, um, I'm going to give it to Sonny Kiss. I was excited about his match. I was disappointed with the outcome, but I hold him um, to blame for, for none of it. So he's coming in at, at a number, in an honorable mention, excuse me, just because, you know, some Sonny Kiss on your screen is always, always good. And at number three, I'm giving it to the New Day. This is this is my farewell to the New Day, who will appear on the Black Power Rankings as a trio um, for the last time. Uh, Black Power Ranking Hall of Famers. I know, given that everything they've done, it might have been more appropriate to put them in at number one. But this week they're coming in at number three. One for each of them. The New Day. Thank you. We'll see what you all do next. Um, and at number two, I'm giving it to Sasha Banks. The, this was almost my number one moment. Okay. But um, you'll see why it had to get bumped down when we get to number one. But Sasha Banks is coming in at number two because I, I really enjoyed the contract signing. I thought there was a different way to do it. Um, her basically forcing Bailey to sign the contract. And then she brought fire to her appearance on Talking Smack right after SmackDown. Uh, her and Booker T get into it a little bit. She gets into it with Kayla and she just puts everyone on notice that she's going to be SmackDown Women's Champion. Um by the end of this pay-per-view. And then in a number one, I'm giving it to Cedric Alexander's right hand. I mean, this was going to go in as an honorable mention, but I, you, can't, you can't have a black power fist not go in at number one on the black power rankings. The way he came through the crowd um, and rocked Titus O'Neil with that fist, um, it, had, it had weight, it had speed, it had power, um, but it also, it felt like it had some familiarity. Like Cedric Alexander had done mm. that before. Um, and Titus went right down. Let it let you know that like the Hurt Business is not for play. Particularly Cedric Alexander's right hand. So that's coming in at number one. Um, SGG also, we should mention, I don't know if the Black Power rankings worthy. But definitely Black and definitely Power. How about the new heater for AJ Styles? Oh, yes. How could we forget? You know, so when he popped up, first a couple of people were like, oh, my God, is that SGG? And I was just, I was resistant to it. But then when it, when it got to be like 40 people, and this is where I need to be like you and just, just tap out of the, the wrestling social media world. Because then when it gets to be about everybody, then you just got to <laughs> accept it. <laughs> Well said. On Instagram, in my in my text messages, Twitter, everywhere. It was, it was so at first you fought it, and then it was like, okay, maybe this at is first actually. I fought it, and I was just like, you know, all right, all right. Well, and like I didn't know whether to laugh or not because I couldn't tell. I, I I I didn't think about it, but then when the joke happened, I was like, you know, there is a similarity. And then it was just <laughs> funny. But I was like, well, I'm not going to agree with it if SUG doesn't think it's funny. So I got to wait. <laughs> no, I, I didn't at first, but then the more people came out came out and, and made the same joke, I was just like, you know what? Now I'm now I'm on an island, and all these people can't be wrong if 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 this is where it is. So so someone needs so someone needs to make a really good graphic of that being me and you. <laughs> yeah, just we just gotta lean in. Let's just when lean into that, it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> when it's that many people, you just gotta lean in. I will say and, though, I I really I think it could make AJ very interesting. 
and mm-hmm. I think like it just it just gave such diesel vibes, you know. This guy yeah. who's just so damn big. Now we have no idea his level of skill. What's his name again? Um, I forget. Jordan's it's, it's SGG. It's, it's SGG. It's SGG. Damn it. So, but what, um, so big SGG. That right. man is gigantic. I and mean, I, I did like that he would not get out of the ring. That was tight. Um, I loved when he. Um, who was the match with again? Riddle? Uh, Matt Riddle. Yeah, when Riddle was about to hit the flying knee on the apron, he just stood in the way. Um, it makes it... I mean, listen, guys. If you go straight up... if you there, There's so many ways to take this. But if you just go old school and let him be there for, for AJ until he turns mm-hmm. on AJ or AJ turns on him or AJ smacks his face or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, this just... Yeah. There's, it's a lot of fun there, um, and I want to get his name in too. I'm not gonna let us let us. There you go. I, I get honestly, on the wrong side of- I looked it up and was like, it was a it was a long name. It was it didn't sound name, like a super wrestling name. I don't want to botch the last name, but I'm gonna attempt it. It's Jordan Amagbehen. Jordan Amagbehen. Amagbehen. Yeah. He's a listen. I man. I hope I see him tomorrow. You can't I hope miss I him. See him. Uh, if he's there, I, if he's there, I can't miss him. So and make sure he knows how much we we love and respect his work and how you know the great things we're looking forward to. Uh, and if you know, if he doesn't, I want if he I, he's he's someone I might ask for a picture with and have someone take it from from an angle where you see me just talking to his stomach. <laughs> yeah, you got to do the two. You got to do the 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 one where like just the top of your head is in the picture and like he's talking to you, and then like just his stomach is in the picture. You're talking to him. Um, all right, everyone, I hope you enjoy the UFC today. That starts at 2 o'clock. And even more importantly, I hope you enjoy Hell in a Cell tomorrow, the kickoff show at 6 on the network and YouTube. And SGG, do me a favor and, uh, and enjoy yourself. And take it easy, P. It's professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the at this time, I would like to introduce, in the corner to my left, the majesty, sweet, sweet Peter Rosenberg. And then I went to makeup and like sat in front of the mirror a little bit and got myself together. Also, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I would like to introduce, shout out to that guy, Greg. Red Heart is the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the art form. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.